0: Driving and Thriving is the career development podcast, inspiring you to make some bold
1: changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career.
0: I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm joined by Sandra Lim, Global TA Leader and Career Matchmaker. Okay,
1: to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your career background and your current role? Sure. It's a little bit of a round and about kind of way of how I started in recruitment, as it always happens. I discovered it when I was in uni and I picked up a retail gig selling things. I discovered I was really good at and promoting. Thing. So it was like selling food, clothing. I was a higher sales person on the floor. So think about Coles, Woolies, David Jones, Maya, that sort of environment behind the Chanel counter, the Issa Lauren counter. So from makeup to food to clothes, I could go from anything. And then when I finished uni, the company I was with, the agency, they offered me a stint to go work with them to manage the schedule and coordination of the staffers that would be working across the weekend. So that was a Thursday to Sunday job, which was great because I was waiting for my PR application to come through and I could only do certain hours a week with that. So I picked up, you know, recruitment pretty much on fire. Like, you know, there was no guiding, there was nothing. It was just like, yeah, these are 10 roles that you got to fill and we have to fill them now. And working on the weekends was always a nightmare because you would get people ringing up with all sorts of excuses that they couldn't go into work. The funniest story was when we had someone had to go into Woolies and they, the client rang up at 12 because the shift started at 12 and there was no one that showed up. And when I rang the candidate or the person that was about to start the shift, their excuse was that the metro doors on the train closed on their foot and had cut off the top of the shoe and they couldn't go into work. And I was sitting there for a moment thinking, oh my God, obviously A was duty of care to the person. I was going, are you okay? You know, did you get any help? And all of that. And then afterwards I sat back and thought a little bit, there's actually little rubber linings on the doors to prevent that from happening. It's not there to decapitate anyone or anything. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, I was lied to. I got scammed <laughs> by this person who didn't want to go into work. But yeah, it was great because I learned a lot and I learned a lot about all the different excuses you could give for not going into work, which was Mm. great. And you started to learn pretty quickly to have a bullshit radar of people telling you (laughs) things. And I think that's really important in your career in recruitment and HR. So from there, I decided that I wanted to do it a little bit more seriously. So I picked up an agency role And I went into a recruitment agency to learn the basics of recruitment. I won't share with you what the agency name is. You can have a look later, but I didn't have the best time there. It was during the GFC as well. So I did about six months there recruiting for HR people. And that was really tough because they were the first people that were being let go during the financial crisis. So that was really tough dealing in that situation. I learned a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing in managing clients and candidates and all the fun stuff you should not do in recruitment and I took that and went I never want to do that to people because as a candidate I wanted to feel valued, I wanted people to tell me the truth, I wanted there to be a real job that was advertised, not some blind advert that was posted just to get my CV in and I was lucky enough to get selected for a HR support officer role for a utilities company in Victoria And that really began my journey in HR and recruitment. And I was at that point in my career wish I could have gone into HR. I went and studied and I didn't really know what HR was. You learn about it and you think it's about helping people and you want to be the spokesperson and, and do the right thing for everyone. But then when you get in there and you very quickly find out that it's about companies managing performance of staff, dealing with, well, because I was in the utility sector. So I was dealing with terminations, bullying. There was a lot of union stuff that happened. And I thought at one point in my career, I wanted to go into industrial relations. Again, not where I want to be in the future when I grow up, but I was lucky enough to say and put my hand up and say, I will be the scribe for the EBA negotiations. And what I saw behind those doors were just... whole other world. It was terrible. My manager was a very, was a very, is still a very strong female leader. And just watching her, how she dealt with the unions was just something to behold. They were very nasty. They would swear and they would throw things on the table. And she, she held her ground. Like she was a little pocket rocket and I learned so much from her. And I also learned that I never wanted to do IR. Um, I wanted to do the happy side of recruitment, of HR, sorry. And that happened to be in recruitment. So that's really where I specialised in for the last decade or so. And yeah, And so from there, I led the recruitment function for the company. And then I went and did a talent lead role elsewhere. And then in 2019, I decided I wanted to take a gap year and travel around the world. And in hindsight, that was the best decision I ever made because I got to travel a lot. I went to places like Italy and Japan and Bangkok and Dubai and Malaysia and Bali thinking that I would come back and pick up a short term contract, get some money and go off and travel again. And I came back and we went straight into lockdown. So, yeah, that was it. So in the last two years or so, I've been doing contract work and I've recently taken up a permanent role with a company called Indeptit and I'm leading the talent functions for the product and engineering team.
0: That was awesome. I feel like there's, oh, there's so much in there. It was like, as well, those first few years of your career, it's like you saw the absolute best and worst of people. I must have been so career-defining to see that, especially like straight out of uni. And then like, I love that you were like the guy tells you that, and you're like, oh my God, are you okay? And then afterwards, like, hang on. <laughs> I know. He <laughs> was trying to pull the, the wall over me, and I was like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> But it just says a lot about you, just like your default position was like, are you okay? Like, what's happening, rather than being like, bullshit, mate? Like, that's definitely not what happened. 100%. Um, I also love that you got to go traveling just before lockdown. Whenever I hear people that manage to get that timing just absolutely perfect, it just makes me a bit mad because I managed to book to go traveling two weeks. I think about two weeks after COVID was a thing, like I'd booked yep. it ready to go. And then yep. I got told that I wasn't flying and I was like,
1: oh, that's just so sad. But yeah, I, I really, <laughs> really miss traveling because for, that, for a good six, seven months, I was just living out of my suitcase and I got to travel mm-hmm. and meet with people from all you know around the world from all walks of life. And it was great. I traveled solo for most of it. I left my husband behind and was like, you keep working. I will now go and have a holiday because I've had enough of work. (laughs) So I did that.
0: And then I guess just your your recent contract roles. What's, um, I guess, I always think you learn a lot in a contract role. It's a bit Mm. different to a permanent role. You kind of like, for me anyway, a different mindset. I'd love to hear kind of what you think you've learned from just kind of that change, especially over the last couple of years and then moving into a more permanent role.
1: Yeah, definitely. With contract roles, I think the mindset is that You are there to do a job. There is no time to get sucked in with the politics and the BS and all the games that happens. You get given a task, you go in there, you deliver. And I think that's really important to keep in mind about any role, whether you're going in for a permanent role or a contract role, to keep that mindset in frame because it really sets in stone. You're there really to do a job and a job is a job at the end of the day. Don't let it take over your life. I've been in jobs, you know, in my younger years where if a manager said something really terrible or, you know, I had a really bad day at work, I would take it so personally and had the worst day. And, you know, there were days where I may or may not have cried in the bathroom uh, at work because I've had a bad day. And now it doesn't impact me at all. I just go, yep, that you know, that wasn't the best thing that happened or yep, I made a mistake. Let's move on. This is the outcome that we're trying to get to. So I think really taking things on the chin and just trying to figure out how to deal with it and coming up mm. with solutions. The fact that I've gone from contract to contract in the last two years just meant that I could pick things up really quickly, just hit the ground running wherever I was.
0: Yeah. I think you're totally around that hitting the ground running. It's like, because you've got such a short space of time, you're like, right, what do I really need to know? Let's just exactly. get stuck in and let's get going. It's Yeah, it's been interesting for me, I guess, just on that as well. So you've obviously had a great career and you've done lots of different things. What do you think has been the key to your success along the way? Patience.
1: (laughs) Uh, I've had to learn that. (laughs) I've had to learn patience along the way. I think for me, it was patience with myself that I wasn't, you know, there were some things that I didn't know as much or as quickly as I would have liked to. So I I like to have everything in place before I hit the ground running. And sometimes you can't, especially in recruitment. And I think a lot of cases in HR, we operate so much in that gray zone. It's not black and white. So I've had to learn a lot of that. I have had to impart that learning to the teams that I've been working with, with the managers that I've been working with, with stakeholders. So I think, yeah, patience is something that I'm still learning. I'm not the best at it, but I have learned that that is very important in the day-to-day life of what I do.
0: Well, going back to our earlier conversation, that puppy is going to help you with your I know. (laughs) So much. I guess on that, so in terms of like skills development and keeping on top of everything that's happening in people, culture, talent acquisition, what's your kind of go-tos for kind of keeping up with those things or how do you keep on top of everything that's happening?
1: For me, it's really keeping up to date with the people in my network. I have a really good core group of people within that talent space that I speak with um, almost on a daily basis. If not, you know, we're just chatting on LinkedIn and what have you and we share news and success stories in in that space. So really good friends with Pavi, with Michael, with Joe, with Beck Powell. I think they've all been on this podcast as well. So we're each other's biggest cheerleaders and champions and we support each other and we really got together got to know each other from our time because of COVID, because we volunteered with the not-for-profit organisation Juts of Australia at that time, which is now Juts of Humanity. But we've really learned to lean on each other. There are podcasts that I listen to, Striving and Thriving is one of them, so that's nice. I keep up with Talent Table as well, with Andrea, with the newsletters that come up. I join the Recruiting Brain Food, which is managed by Hung Lee. So, yeah, a couple of things, but really that network is so important.
0: Yeah, I think you so. And yeah, I think everybody, so I knew Andrea and then Andrea rec- uh, like introduced me to Jo and then once you end up speaking to everybody, I just find it how refreshing how all of you just, everyone's just so positive about each other. Going <laughs> to like, sometimes that's not always been the case. Right? I've definitely been in roles or been in groups of people where that isn't the case. And I think it's just so refreshing. that You found a group of people that genuinely are each
1: other's biggest cheerleaders.
0: Um, I think for us think as well as game changer.
1: As, yeah, I think for us as well, it's because we got together in a common goal, which was that yeah. charity work that we did to help people. And having that as something that connected all of us just meant that we knew we were the people, the kind of people that we wanted ourselves to be surrounded by. And hence, why yeah. like anytime one of us has, you know, a role going or interviews or challenges, we share it with each other first and we we offer advice and if not you know just an ear just to go yep yeah, wind away or, or let me know what's happening it's the worst day possible you know this candidate did what how can that hiring manager say that um yeah so we're really there for each other
0: uh, yeah i imagine just coming from the jobs of humanity as you go in you already know everyone's really values aligned exactly so you you kind of skip the initial kind of intros and you're straight into like these are my people 100 percent yeah Going back to kind of your career and multiple different roles, what do you think has been the best and worst career advice along the way? Oh
1: God, I don't know if I've got any best or worst career advice. I have been given best and worst feedback. So I'm not sure if it's (laughs) around that advice area, but yeah, I think for me it was for me, it was the way I was communicating. I think I was told that I wasn't assertive enough in the start of my career, particularly in HR. And it was you know, around performance management or, or providing advice to managers. And the manager at the time that said to me that I wasn't assertive enough, wasn't the best manager. They were, they were very intense. They were very micromanaging in their style of leadership. And that the understanding of assertiveness is command and control, which never really gelled with me because I, I'm really all about authenticity, you know, you can compassion and empathy, treat people how you want to be treated. So it's not about you do this because I'm HR. And, and I feel like that's why we get such a bad rep in the industry, right? Because we're mm-hmm. like, do this, else you will get smack on the hand or you will get a disciplinary letter or you will get fired or anything like that. I believe in being open and honest. And that's how I behave with anyone that I meet, um, be it a candidate or a hiring manager. So then there's no surprises at the end of the day. What they see is what they get, really. So, yeah, I don't know if I really answered that question, but.
0: But I think it's kind of touching on that other topic now. Feedback comes up quite a lot. And I want to do a whole podcast series just on feedback and how we handle that. But I always remember I was on a training course. It must have been a few years ago now. And um, one of the speakers turned around and said, you know, feedback is a gift. Mm just sometimes it's a really shitty gift. And I think for me, that's kind of like really summed it up, right? Like all feedback is a gift. It's just uh, so much of it is about the intent that it was delivered with, but also what's going on with that person on that day. Exactly. And I think to your earlier point, just about like being younger in your career and like hearing things like that, that would like, I would have been, you know, I'd have spent days awake at night, you know, thinking about that, not sleeping, you know, really worrying about it. And now I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, you know, want to talk it through. Have you got examples, you know, and start exactly. thinking about where that happened and how I can improve. And I think so much of it, like you say, it's just how it's delivered
1: rather than... Correct. You know. so maybe I think that's- when, when you're really early in your career, you know, fresh out of uni or that's your first real proper you know role that you're doing to get that kind of feedback mm-hmm. with no... Any other thing to support or advice or, you know, growth plans behind it can be quite damaging. So for a while there, I did think that, oh, my God, maybe I am in the wrong career. Maybe I'm not the way I speak or the way I deliver. Maybe it is a cultural thing. Maybe people do want to be spoken to that way. So, yeah, it was tough and it took me a while to figure that out. But I had, you know, really good support. From HR business partners around me that were like, No, no, your style is the right way. We like the way you operate. So don't think too much about it. As much as they say, Don't think too much about it, you're right. I spent quite a few weeks thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't spend that much time. It was only three weeks. A whole
0: three years. (laughs) I do wonder as well, like going back to your point, and I think COVID has had a, a positive impact on that. Like, I do think going back to when I first started work out of uni, HR was very much the people that set the rules and made you, made sure mm. you that you read the policies and they handed out disciplinary hearings around. And apart from that, I don't think I knew anything about HR. Yeah, I don't think I had any interaction with anyone from HR unless I knew someone that had got a disciplinary or the fact that they paid my wages each month. Apart mm. from that, where I feel like now, whenever you get in businesses, it's often the people and culture, maybe that's the slight difference, that are yeah. the first person to pop up their hands and say, hey, do you need anything? Can I help? Yeah. These, you know, and almost give you the rundown of how things happen. Yes. And even like I started a new role a few days ago and it's the people in the culture team have been amazing. Like they've all put their hand up, all, you know, kind of said, and walked me through stuff. Mm. I wanted me to say, it was like, shall I walk you through the benefits? And I was like, it's on confluence. Like, it's fine. She was like, no, like, let's have a chat. I just kind of wanted to add some color around it and just yeah. things like that. And there's, there's definitely been no, oh, these people are going to be the ones that tell me off. Mm. It's like, oh, these people like genuinely want to help. And they want me to spend some money to set up my work from home. Like, <laughs> How dare they? And they've, know, <laughs> and they've offered me training money before I pass probation. Like, ooh, like, So I do wonder whether, you know, part of those kind of feedbacks and those people, is almost like that old school versus new school mentality. And it's just almost, um, I don't want to say generational because that feels a bit too bad, but that kind of, I guess, command and control seems to have been thankfully kind of disappearing and it seems a lot more empathetic and empowering things to be happening along
1: I agree it's definitely come a long way and it's come a long way even in in recruitment and talent acquisition I mean gone are the days or it should be gone Um, and if not those companies are, are and will struggle to find you know talent in the market is that that whole interrogation piece during an interview and I will not give them any information they should go and find information themselves how dare they not Find out who this company is, and it's just not the way to be anymore. Now, when you're speaking to candidates, you're giving you pretty much giving them everything, just so that they are prepared for the best, and you want them to have all the right information so that they succeed. And that's what I say to the candidate as well. I'm like, do you have enough information? Because I want you to get this job. And if not, let's talk through that. But And with the managers as well, it's really coaching and guiding them. What do you want out of this session? It's not an interrogation. They're not a prison now war. You don't have to ask those things. Um, It's like, do you think they will be a good fit with your team? What value can they bring through? Start thinking about it that way. Yeah, I think it's definitely come a long way.
0: And I think on that with the interviews, one thing I've found, again, going back kind of 12 years ago to now interviewing and probably because it's a candidate short market. Right. I honestly think it's a good thing in some respects, because it feels like any interview I've been to in the last probably a couple of years. It's been this real two way value exchange. Of mm. Let's work out if this is a fit for both of us. I Exactly. You say like, what research have you done and what do you know about this? It's a little bit more like, is this good for you? Is it good for me? And I think it automatically just puts you on a much more even footing, but it just makes mm. the whole process nicer for everybody. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Talking to someone this morning who was saying about they had this person that didn't turn up for their second day of work. Like they turned up on the oh. Monday and then just disappeared on the Tuesday. And I do feel like that's kind of that old school of like, there really wasn't that two-way value exchange of like, is this a good fit yeah. for everyone? And I feel like somewhere along the line that must've got lost. Or somebody wasn't authentic to your earlier point. Yes, because surely if not, people shouldn't be not turning up
1: for this. Yeah, there, right. I agree. I feel like that <laughs> when that's happened, it's because. They might have turned up and they've gone, oh shit, this is not what was promised to me and this is not the environment. And then they don't know how to provide that feedback because they felt like they've been misled or it wasn't a through authentic experience. So it's better to just run away and ghost <laughs> because that's just easier, not facing the problem. <laughs> Hopefully that, that could be the case and, and that person's okay and not hit by a yes. bus. That's, that's always the first thing I go to. Are they okay? Have they been hit by a bus? Okay, no. Okay. So they just <laughs> did leave us. <laughs> Yeah, they
0: definitely didn't get hit by us. But yeah, I love that that was your knee-jerk reaction, a bit like the guy at his foot, like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. So just kind of going back to advice and feedback and things you're saying, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you started out in recruitment and HR?
1: Someone had told me that it wasn't going to be all fun and games. It wasn't just about happy helping people all the time. There's a lot of work and, and knowledge that goes around a good HR person and a good recruiter. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. knowledge that people seem to just assume that HR people will understand. They'll come to us with problems. I've had to coach people through things completely outside of HR. It's someone that's had cancer or they've lost their jobs and things like that. I wish someone would have told me that it was a lot more of a coaching job Mm -hmm. because I think when you come through university and you're learning about HR and IR and rules and management and all these different theories, they don't tell you the people aspect to it. As you say, it's really dry. It's that document and that policy kind of process, but that coaching aspect, not everyone can do. And I think that's really important. And I I feel like if someone told me, you know, at the start of my career, I think I would have been better prepared for it. Not that I'm not, but I think, you know, it, it was more of a shock when I was like, oh God, why are these people talking to me about all their life stories and problems? I'm not a counselor, I'm not a psychologist, but they kind of treat HR that way. And I think depends obviously if they trust you then that's when they'll share all the issues with you but yeah
0: yeah i think that's a really good call out it was the one thing um i was talking to a few people about during the pandemic i feel like hr and ta took it harder than anyone mm. because everyone looked to you guys to solve all their problems so like none of us know how to work from home hr how do we do this <laughs> Just yeah. be like, i don't know yeah. <laughs> like, uh, none don't of us have had a
1: pandemic before hr how do right. we do this i'm like i don't know it's a global crisis <laughs> Right, um, and I do feel like
0: yeah, you guys for the last couple of years have have had it tougher than anyone else, just on that basis because you've really had to work out as you go along while everyone else asks you 101 questions. Yeah. Um, I think it's and we've all tough. had our meltdowns about we working definitely from have. home, right? We definitely, <laughs> all have. of us. Yeah, yeah, definitely have. Yeah. Okay, last question, and let you go. Who else's
1: career story would you like to hear? Ooh. I would like to hear a career story from Laura White. I don't know. Have she been on on this podcast, Laura White? No.
0: Um,
1: She's the head of talent at Papercut. I was lucky enough to work with her on my last contract with Papercut. I've got so much respect for that lady. She's a young gun and she knows what she's talking about. She's really intelligent. She's so quiet. She's so clever. And she's so young, and I wish I was that intelligent when I was her age. And to be ahead of talent um, where she is at now is just amazing. So I would love to hear how she got to where she is. Awesome, that's great.
0: I will definitely get in contact with her. I think your Andrew was also saying I think she's going to speak at Talent Loser as well because Andrew is fantastic oh, awesome. awesome too. Awesome, cool. Thank you so much for today. No
1: worries. Thank you. Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out striving.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through. Striving and
0: thriving.
1: Striving and thriving.
0: Striving and thriving. Striving. And thriving, striving 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 and thriving,
1: striving and thriving.